love hitting the highway? It's time now for Road Trips Australia with the Dark. Broadcasting through Blue Collar Media in partnership with Top Parks. There's a Top Parks holiday for every family budget. Plus, become a Top Parks G'day Rewards member and save even more. Visit topparks.com.au. G'day and welcome to the very latest edition of Road Trips Australia, an Aussie travel podcast produced by Blue Collar Media in partnership with Top Parks. Every week we go into detail of Australian road trips and the attractions along the way, the must-do stop-offs, tips and information as well. We'll also put the spotlight on caravan parks located either during the road trip or around the final destination, the facilities, the services that you can expect, the accommodation options from caravan and camping sites to on-site cabins and a whole lot more. This week we are off on a, this is epic, a 2,200 kilometre adventure with a road trip from Alice Springs to Broome. Vic Woodman will join me shortly with that. We'll also take a look at the Discovery Park at Port Hedland with the lovely Laura from Top Parks. Now you too can be a part of the podcast, just send us an email uh, you can do that by going to bluecollarmedia.com.au and email the duck. As I said, Blue, uh, Vic Widman joins us every single week from Great Divide Tours and runs us through some of these fantastic road trips. He's on the line. Vic Widman, how are you this week? Oh, g'day, duck. Oh, mate, I'm brilliant. But I, I like that little intro, Blue Vic Widman. I have been down in Braywood and it has been pretty cold, mate. What did I call you? Blue, blue Vic Whitman, did I? <laughs> blue Vic Whitman, yeah. You, well, you started doing the blue collar media thing. Mm. So it came out as Blue Vic Whitman. So, you know, mm. I'm, I'm, I get pretty cold down there. Yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, they say you, look, you go blue when you're, when you're really cool. So mm. I guess what you're trying to tell me, Duck, is I'm a really cool guy. A lot of other things happen too <laughs> when, when it's cold, Vic. You know a bit about that as well. Anyway, no, all good, and um, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it's good to see that um, travel restrictions are easing by the day, basically, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be have full open borders, as are some border borders open to certain people and not others, but it's getting closer, and it won't be long before we'll be able to take some of these big road trips that we talk about here on the podcast. It's got an absolute cracker this week, Victor. Um, Alice, Alice, Alice Springs... To Broome. I mean, mate, how good is this? <laughs> well, you, you, you mentioned in the intro that it was epic. I mean, it's awesomely epic, mate. Mm. Um, this is, uh, you know, our previous road trips have been, um, you know, based around mainly mainly sealed roads um, and, and you know, the enjoyment you can have both in your, your car, your bike club, your car club, your caravan, that, that kind of stuff because, I mean, Road Trips Australia, is all about travel, irrespective mm. of what you're in. But I have to say that um, I've probably blown that a little bit this week, mate, because this is a what I would call a Phoenix and Fall drive trip. This one, mm. um, you, you definitely wouldn't want to be, you know, tootling along mm. the road that I'm going to take you on in a uh, in a two wheel drive or even in your your on road caravan. I mean, guys out there and girls out there just don't don't do it. Mm. What about off road off road van, vans or camper trailers? Yeah, absolutely, mate. I was yeah. about to say, if you've, got, if you've got a really well set up off-road rig, um, that, yeah, this this can be done. And mm. as you said, mate, it's, it's epic. It's 2,200-odd kilometres that we're going to cover. And uh, we're, we're travelling, as you said, Alice Springs, the centre of Northern Territory, 
right across to the coast, to the west coast, all the way through through Broome. And you, and you know what, mate? It's almost a straight line. Really? Well, well I mean, it's. I mean, you're talking. It's it's a long, long way, isn't it, for a road trip? Um, and obviously a lot of a lot of remoteness out there. Um, yeah. I mean, yep. what about fuel and things like that? We've got we've got distances without fuel and. Yeah, look, distances. we have, and um, there's look with the fuel side of things. I had a I had a close look at the map when we were going to talk about doing this one, and um, look, the, the the guarantee of fuel would be over a thousand kilometres mm. that you need to, to take. Yep. There there are some uh, communities uh, off the the main road that we'll talk about in a sec, but um, but whether you can actually get in there at the time, and, and of course at the moment. You know, with the restrictions, and I know people might listen to this at different times of the year, but under the current restrictions, all the community areas are still closed down uh, to try and keep them safe, which is a great, you know, which is a great idea. Mm. So you wouldn't be able to guarantee that you could get fuel. You could probably do the drive because the communities are off the main drag, but you'd have to carry fuel for you know a good thousand thousand kilometres. Uh, and I, I would recommend doing that anyway, just in case mm. when you get there, it's, you know, the truck hasn't arrived, it broke down, it got bogged. I mean, uh, all these things are a reality when we start talking about travel in remote desert country of WA and Northern Territory, mate. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it always pays to take a bit of fuel and extra water and extra food as well on these sorts of trips. But it is a beauty. And, uh, mate, you say you talk about a good... Off-road setup. That's me, Vic. I could hook up my van and head across there, no problem at all. And I can carry a fair bit of fuel these days as well. I think I carry about 150 litres in the four-wheel drive, and I can carry, I think, another 80 in cans safely. So yep. I'd, I'd, be able, I'd, I'd be able to knock that one over, mate. Which is good for me. And some of the trips we've spoken about in the past with my past vehicle, I would have had that. Yeah. Would have had that truck follow me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> They'd had the semi-trailer full of petrol in the mm. old days, didn't you? Mm, exactly. But look, I was only talking to, to one of our customers today about the, you know, we're running an Outback New South Wales trip in um, in a couple of weeks' time. And, and he said, look, I'm going to bring a trailer and, you know, what change, what difference is that going to make to the fuel that I'll need to carry? And I said, look, in, in your particular vehicle, in this case, you have an Isuzu D-Max, you know, I said, look, towing on good dirt roads, you probably want to add about 20% when you're towing a trailer. You know, that just to give a bit of an idea, mm. um, if you've got a larger caravan, I, I'd be adding about 30% to your normal um, highway driving mm. to try and get an idea of the kind of fuel economy that you, you might achieve and how much you have to carry. Yeah, no, 100%. And uh, that's, uh, that's exactly right. I mean, I know the difference uh, just in my vehicle. Um, when you put the, the trailer on, yeah, sure, the camper trailer, uh, but when you put the van on, it, it just goes to another level. <laughs> it's just anyway. And then you've got to yeah. think about things too, like headwinds and, and things like yeah. that. You can basically just watch the fuel gauge go down. All right, mate, so we're kicking off Alice Springs yep. and we're on our way to Broome, mate. Let's get into it. Where are we starting starting from? And uh, Yeah, so look, we, get... we've talked, we did the, the Red Centre uh, there a couple of podcasts ago and we mm. talked about the, some of the tracks that, uh, west of Alice Springs, and um, so you could actually follow one of those that we talked about, uh, heading out towards um, uh, Glen Ormiston Gorge, etc. But uh, my recommendation on this one would be to go north out of Alice for about 20k up the Stewart Highway, and then you hit the Tanami Track, um, 
that section of the Tanawai Track that we travel, um, a good, you know, 150-odd K, uh, is still is all sealed, so there's no issues there. And, uh, and you need to carry, as I say, this is where you want to carry enough fuel for about 1,000 kilometres uh, because your next fuel is going to be over, would you believe, on the Canning Stock Route at uh, Kirawichi at Well 33. Mm. Uh, that's that's a, probably the only place uh, along there that I could guarantee that you would get fuel, provided there hasn't been rain in, in recent you know, recent days prior to your trip because, again, the fuel truck can get bogged as well. So, uh, so you turn off after after that uh, drive up the Tanamai uh, onto what is known as the Gary Junction Road. Now, um, the, the name Gary Junction, uh, it's interesting to note that uh, most of our outback roads in Western Australia and parts of Northern Territory uh, were named by the, uh, the fantastic explorer, Len Bedell. Yep. Uh, now, Lenny was, um, he's passed away, unfortunately, these days. Uh, but, um, but he, in the 1950s and early 1960s, was appointed by the Australian government to work with the, um, the United Kingdom, the, the English government, uh, on opening up Outback Australia because they wanted to establish, uh, well, actually, the English wanted to do a couple of things. They, they wanted to do some rocket testing. So they needed to fire some rockets out over what they call uninhabited land for a few few thousand kilometres, and uh, they looked at Australians, you know, looked at the map on the on the wall and said, "Well, that's got nothing in it, so we'll go there," <laughs> which is very nice of them. Mm. And um, and Len Bedell set up Woomera down in South Australia, uh, and I know this is it's a long way away from our road trip, but it's a very special place to visit as well, even now. And the museum there is is fantastic, and they still shoot rockets out of Woomera. Um, and in fact, you know, another road trip we could talk about the Gun Barrel Highway and the um, and the Connie Sioux and all that. You've got to you've got to check on those uh, on access as to whether that they're shooting rockets because they do close that down. That's in Central South Australia. But Lembedell went out there in the 1950s with his Gun Barrel Road Construction Crew, and he named it he named it the Gun Barrel Road Construction Crew because all the roads he built were pretty much straight as a gun barrel. Uh, and I, I did mention, Duck, at the beginning, that you're pretty much just driving a, you know, a straight line from Alice Springs all the way across to the coast. And part of the reason that that's how Len built the roads. You know, yeah. he'd, he'd go out in his old Land Rover. You know, we're talking mid fifties, early sixties. There wasn't a lot of choice for drive. Yeah. And he would go out and drive through the bush, literally. And you know, four drivers. Well, I do anyway, and I'm sure you do. We hate the terminology bush bashing. But uh, that's that's how he did it. I mean, there were no tracks out there in this desert country, and it's all desert country. It's all red sand country, uh, but a very harsh country. Is it's got a lot of very very uh, rugged type of uh, vegetation growth. So you, you don't get too many trees, but you get a lot of lot of shrubs and stuff. And because it's in such a harsh environment, it's a very very hard type of wood that's in that. Um, in that scrub. So, you know, Len would do, you know, tyre after tyre after tyre and spend most of his afternoon just repairing tyres. But he would drive out pretty much in a straight line, get get on a high point with his mirror, this is how they did it in those days, reflect the sun back to his back to his dozer driver and his greater driver, they'd see the flicker of light and just drive towards it with the blade down. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, that's and, and they would just clear that scrub and put a line a line in the sand, literally. Mm. 
and uh, and he he named the roads. Gary was his son. Uh, he named all the roads that he he built throughout WA and uh, and uh, South Australia, the desert parts of South Australia, after family members. So you've got the Connie Sue, you've got the Anne Bedell, uh, you've got the Gary Junction. Uh, so you know, just the history on that alone is is pretty interesting. But when you turn off that Tanamai road, mate, um, that's when you've got to drop your tyre pressures down to, to dirt road driving. The road itself, for you know, the next 1,000 kilometres in a straight line across the Canning Stock route, to be honest, you know, like I've driven it, and it's it's pretty good road. Um, they do maintain it uh, so that because an awful lot of Aboriginal communities out that way, mm. which, as I've mentioned, um, you know, you're probably yeah, not going to be out of this. Yeah, currently. Well, this is the yeah. sort of trip you would plan anyway, <coughs> so you would be, yeah. you'd plan this, you know, six six to 12 months out, so. Oh, that's right. That's mm. right. Yeah, like, you know, no, no one's probably going to do it this year. Mm. Um, there are permits you've got to get for all of this, you know, uh, the whole of this route all the way across to Port Hedland, you, you'll need to get permits through the Central Land Council for, um, for the Northern Territory section and, of course, through Western Australia through the Aboriginal Indigenous Affairs uh, Department. And they don't cost anything. you just got to apply online for them. The um, I'm losing my voice, mate. I'll have a drink of water. Did you talk to me about your outback trips? Yeah, you're right. You get that drink of water into you, mate. And uh, So we could not normally stop this year, but we won't. We do it all real. We do it all as we go. And uh, you're right there, Vic. Yeah, mate. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, you sound a bit croaky. Yeah, you sound. A oh, bit look, eh? all that training down there—boring people with your jokes. Well, look, we've and we've had a lot of training on, which has yeah. been great, and we've got an awful lot coming up as well. So, um, yeah, and, and you know, I get out there and I, I do project my voice, but it does wear it out. Let me tell you, mm, bit of the a, um, entertaining the fans as well. Yeah, that's right. So the the per, the the Aboriginal communities along the way, Kintour in particular, is one where we have gone in and got fuel, and um, it, it is probably the one that you could probably rely on when you're allowed to go in there. Um, when you make application for your permit to travel that road, you would nominate uh, which of those particular communities you wish to visit to pick up fuel, and, and then they're aware of you coming, mm. etc. Okay. But I, you know, I don't. I don't want people to be deterred by the fact that you, you've got to get permits and things. Um, this is a beautiful drive. That that section through Northern Territory and then across the WA border, as I mentioned, it's red sand dune country, as far as you know, I can see. And I've always, whenever I've gone out there, there is always wildflowers, and generally lots of them. Um, not just the, the small ground cover stuff, which you definitely get after rain. But also the um, the plants, etc. <clears throat> I'm losing the voice again. The plants, etc. That you are on the side of the road, the shrubs, etc. All have fantastic wildflowers on them, and and that's just a joy to see, mate. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's uh, look, it's you can just picture it while you while you're telling the story, and like you say, the the red sand as far as you can see, and just the plant life out there at certain times of the year, especially after a bit of rain and. The blue skies and it's just it, it'd just be so amazing, um, yeah. Just to, to yeah. get out there and experience all of that, and and even of a night time when you're just pulling up and having having a camp. I mean, yeah, like it's oh, just, you're just in, you're just in you know you're you're basically in the real Australia out there. That's right, mate. And and you know 
it's probably a two to three day drive at least to get across to Well 33 mm. on the Canning Stock route at first thousand kilometres. It's not you don't need to rush it. It's a, as I say, it's generally a pretty good road, mm. but you've got to make camp occasionally. And look, there's no real designated areas to camp. Um, the the most um, common one that people camp at is a place called Jupiter Well, mm. uh, which is in Western Australia, and it, it's just an old well in the ground. But there's at that point, oh mate, it is lovely. There's there's the desert oaks, mm. and again, I think I've mentioned on some of the other talks that we've had that there's the the desert oak tree only grows in a certain belt across central Australia. You know, you can be twenty k either side and not see any trees. Um, and then you go and get through this belt where they do grow, and you know, everything just must be right for them. Mm. And um, and certainly there are the desert oaks around Jupiter Well. And, you know, to camp under those with the wind sighing through the, the, the needle-like leaves is just great. And you mentioned the, the colours, that incredible blue sky mm. that we get in the outback because there's no pollution, you know. Mm. It's amazing. Um, it really is. If you haven't experienced it, if you haven't if uh, if you haven't experienced it, you, you need to do it. Uh, I mean, you might think you know. I mean, you see people put photographs up on social media of you know the sun going down through the buildings of Sydney or the you know and think, oh, how good is the sunset today? Like, <laughs> go out to the outback when you say, like you say, there's no pollution, clear skies, particularly in winter time. At night time, you'll see a lot more stars, and you'll see. Uh, anywhere else, and even like the sun rises as well, just amazing. And sometimes you get those when you get a little bit of light cloud, and you see the um, the sun coming up, and, and, with, and it, it, the sky turns pink of a morning with some of those sunrises. And you just it's just completely different. And, and you really need to to do it. You need to get out there and experience it. And and that's just part of what is a massive experience being out in this region, isn't it, Vic? Oh, yeah, look, I, you're dead right, mate. And in fact, it, it is so hard to describe uh, just how beautiful it is and the colours and the that variation of, of mauves and pinks mm. and that, even after the sun's gone down. Yes. We just don't see it here in the polluted air of the East Coast or, or any anywhere, wherever people are listening to us, you know. Uh, like, I know we've got a few truck drivers and that who listen to us while they're driving their rigs, and they'll know exactly what they're talking about, you know, the guys who do the long hauls through the outback. Mm. And uh, those fantastic colours, even after the sun's gone down, and and you know, like if you're into your photography, which most people are, mm. you know, uh, it, it's the witching hour. You know, it's the time when you you'll get incredible colours on the ground, on the trees, and in the sky. And um, and you mentioned at night the stars. I mean, I, I've, I've spoken to people who've never travelled into the outback, and you know, you take them out there, and they just they're just sitting back in their camp chair around the campfire looking up and going, holy hell, where did all that come from? Mm. Oh, mate, so, sometimes it's almost <laughs> white, you know, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just, it is amazing and the sounds and the animals and it's just, yeah. it's just, oh, mate, I, I wish I was there now. No, no, it's terrible, isn't it? Mm. And you mentioned, mentioned about the animals. I mean, the, the, the thing is on this, this track, you, you're going to see some wild camels. You're going to see the feral camels. Mm. Um, you know, the, I've heard upwards of 300,000 camels are in Outback mm. Australia now. Incredible, isn't and, it? Oh, yeah. And you'll, you'll definitely see them and you'll come across. And, you know, we, we've seen herds of up to 50 camels, mm. you know, when we've been driving through this desert country. And, and I know that they're feral and all that, and I know they cause a lot of damage, but 
it always gives everybody, you know, when we're on our tour groups and that, always gives everyone a huge amount of excitement oh, to well, see it would, a camel. Yeah, it would, especially, yeah, especially just roaming free. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not something you so, see. Uh, you don't see too many of them going down George Street, mate, or the M1. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so look, uh, I've mentioned I've mentioned Well Thirty Three a couple of times. That's mm. um, that's one of the wells, of the fifty one wells on the Canning Stock Route, yep. and that goes south and north up through WA. Well Thirty Three is like um, uh, it's a place everybody wants to get to because there is a store there at, at the nearby community uh, where you can you know restock food and fuel, and you can get some vehicle repairs and tire repairs. It's it's grown a lot in, in the early year. I mean, the early days when we were going up the canning, you know, it, 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 you know, it was pretty much, if you were lucky, you might have got some fuel there, but that was about it. But it, it's really opened up a lot to the, to the local communities. And, um, and they do keep the road to the east of that, which is the one we've just driven, the Gary Junction Road. They do keep it in pretty good order. And also the road to the west of it heading across to Port Hedland because for that community, they don't go north and south because that's through really remote and very harsh desert country on that canning stock route. Mm. Their, their way to get out to family and to and to health services, etc., is either the east or the west. So the, the, the roads are in, in you know, what I call good condition for an outback road. We're talking an unsealed outback road, mm. uh, but they're in, in very good condition in that respect. So, um, so then we're only a part of the way. We've only done a 1,000 kilometres. Uh, from from there, from Well 33, you get onto what is now known as the Telfer Road. In fact, the Telfer Road on the map, uh, the previous road is marked as a bit of a dotted line, the Gary Junction Road, um, but the Telfer Road is actually marked as a, almost like a normal road, which is unsealed. So it is definitely an improvement. Still dirt, still dry to the conditions. No need to rush. You know, take your time. Sit on 60 or 70k an hour. And, uh, and again, there are bush camps along the way. Just find a clearing, get off the road, make a camp, collect some firewood. You know, don't leave any trace, don't leave anything behind. You know, put your fire out in the morning and, and off you go. And uh, partway along there, you, there is a turn off to, um, well, I, I, I prefer to use the, the old name that it was known by, Rudal River National Park. Mm. Uh, the Aboriginal name, and I, I just, I must have been, I have trouble getting my tongue around it, but it's Colour Millery, by the look of it. Um, and it, you know, it's difficult for me to, to pronounce because I'm not an Indigenous person. But that Rudal River National Park, it's about 100 odd k's off the road, mm. um, but definitely worth visiting. The road does deteriorate a little bit because it's not such a well used road. And um, and it's a the the Rudal River National Park is in a line of stony hills, which makes it quite different to the rest of the country you've been driving through, which has been, you know, a bit of that parallel sand dune type desert country, quite flat. Mm. And in fact, at times, I mean, when there's been good growth, uh, you can be driving down the road, and and the bushes are right up tall beside you, and you know you can probably drive for 20 k's and can't see over the top of the trees you know the bushes outside of it mm. but then uh, every now and then it'll you'll come into a natural plain where the the vegetation is, just doesn't grow and the other thing too is that you know during the summer season they get electrical storms out there with the, the cyclones and the wet season and they'll do a, a lightning strike and they'll start a fire and you can drive through literally kilometer after kilometer after kilometer of burnout country 
And it's just natural burnout type country, uh, which happens in Outback Australia. It's part of life. And, um, and it strips everything right back almost to the bare ground. And, you know, you'll come through very thick vegetated areas with lots of wildflowers. And then you'll come into just, you know, bare bones, stick country with that bright red sand underneath it. And if you're lucky, you know, if you're there a season later after the fire's gone through, you'll have all that fresh new shoots coming up from, you know, the stumps of these burnt shrubs and that. And it, it adds its own colour and excitement to the trip. And uh, oh, it's just part of the beauty of, of travelling in these remote desert, you know, regions. Mm, absolutely. But that Rudow River, um, one of the, you know, just to drive through it and back out again is worth the effort. You know, it's just a beautiful, different type of stony landscape, beautiful colours. But there's a place in there called Desert Queen Baths, which is a most unusual name. Um, it's a large waterhole. It always has water in it. Uh, there is some Aboriginal art on the sandstone uh, cliffs that overhang that waterhole. You can go for a swim in there. Uh, in winter, when we normally travel in the outback, it can get pretty cold. Um, you've got to remember, like, you know, we're, we're still on the same, you know, same level as what Alice Springs is. And, you know, I think you've been in Alice in winter, and it's mm. not the most, it's not the warmest place under the sun, as they say. No, exactly right. Yeah. I've got some breaking news there, too, Vic. I'll be there in a couple of weeks. So, uh, uh, oh, yeah. beautiful. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah we'll um, take the woolies, mate. <laughs> yeah, I oh, know. Well, I've done it before, and uh, yeah, it can. All right through the day, but even even like if, yeah, but through the day it's okay. But once you go yeah. early morning and late, you know, in the afternoon, and when that sun goes down, well, it can become yeah. bitterly cold, as they say. I often say to people that it doesn't really warm up in winter until you get past the Tropic of Capricorn, mm. <clears throat> which is just a little bit to your north. But um, but you do you know you do need to be prepared for very cold weather, and I'm talking you know it can be sub zero mm. in the morning when you get up you know, and if you if you have any wind blowing through the day, you're going to need a jacket on all day because That's right, it's yeah. quite cold. But then if the wind comes from the north, you're going to have a thirty degree day because mm. you know you're not that far from the top end, which is always you know always yeah. got good temperatures. Mm. So um, that that's a great place, Rudow River. Um, back on the, the Telfer Road, the, the next point of interest that uh, I would recommend, again, is to turn off to the south and um, it uh, heads down to a place called Currawinnie Gorge. Uh, again, look, I've been down there and you come out of these. Um, by now, the country's starting to get a little bit stony. You're coming out of the sand dunes, but there's still not a lot of hills, you know. But when you, you go down towards Currawinnie Gorge, as the name would would you know you would expect, it's a giant, um, um, oh, just a, a great big gorge with um, big orange red cliffs uh, from a hillside that's just sheared off, dropping down into this huge waterhole. Currawinnie Gorge waterhole is just beautiful, and you can camp there, you know, free camp, uh, no facilities obviously, but you can camp overlooking the water with this great big red. Uh, sandstone cliff on the opposite side and again you know if you catch that in the witching hour with the sun rising or the sun setting mm. you know depending on whether it's morning or afternoon obviously you know it, it's a stunning location and um, it, it's a real you know it's definitely a place worth camping at mm. you can actually do a little round trip if you like because you can continue south from Currawinnie Gorge on the fantastically named Skull Springs Road and uh, 
In fact, when I, when I drove it a few years ago, I came to an intersection, and at that intersection, there was a coil spring out of a four-wheel drive, and the skull of an old, you know, an old dead cow. <laughs> and I thought, and, and then the signpost, Skull Springs Road, and I thought, yeah, someone's, you know, someone's thought about that and, mm. and stuck those things there. But uh, that Skull Springs Road will take you on a loop down to join the Marble Bar Road, which then heads back up to Marble Bar. Uh, Marble Bar itself is um, is on the road which we've been travelling on the Telfer the Telfer Road. At that turn off to Carawini, it becomes the Rip on Hills Road. So coming, if you kept going straight through instead of going down to Carawini Gorge, you will pass over these small hills called Rip on Hills, and um, and we're still in very sparse vegetation, mate. Yeah, <coughs> well, we marble, get ourselves. Yeah, well, mar- well, Marble Bar. Well, the thing about Marble Bar, which is uh, it's very lucky. There's a pub there, isn't there, at Marble Bar, which you would need because yep. isn't it the hottest? <laughs> isn't it the hottest place in Australia? <laughs> Mate, it definitely is. Mm. Marble Bar has got the reputation of having 164 days straight of the temperature above 100 degrees Fahrenheit or 38 degrees Celsius, yep. all the way from December, January, February, right up to I think it was mid-April uh, that. That record that was way back, would you believe, in 1924? Before climate change, before climate change, mm. nearly 100 years ago. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's got, as you mentioned, the pub, the Ironclad Hotel, yep. which is made of corrugated iron. Of course. <laughs> Can you imagine how hot that would get? Oh, mate. <laughs> I want to have a good cool room. I know that. Well, working overtime. What a great way to sell more cold beers, eh? Mm. Oh, <laughs> Anyone yeah. coming out of the out of the sun, the hundred degree, you know, the hundred degree Fahrenheit mm. sun into a into a pub that's made of corrugated iron. Mm. I mean, that'd be a great way. But that pub, um, that, that started operation, like it, what was it eighteen ninety? I think it was, yeah. and um, it was, uh, and it's still going. Eighteen ninety three, in fact they called it. Eighteen ninety two they opened the pub up. There was mm-hmm. gold mining going on in the area mm-hmm. and they opened up the pub in eighteen ninety two. Eighteen ninety three, they decided to call it the Ironclad Hotel and uh, and it's still there and it's still got the same name. Mm-hmm. Might have a couple of different pieces of corrugated iron on it now. Mm-hmm. But there's a good caravan park there. I've stayed in that one, uh, in Marble Bar and um, and just a couple of little little shops. It's not a big town. You know, don't don't get too carried away. You're not going to find Harvey Norman there. No. <laughs> anyway, but uh, but just south of that, like Marble Bar, why do they call it that? Um, well, it's it's actually got nothing to do with the pub. There's actually a, a waterhole on on uh, the uh, on the the river, and just at that waterhole in the, the red rock, which is there, there's a line of what looks like marble. In fact, it's it's like a quartz. It's, it's actually jasper, but it's a white rock that runs through. And you can go out there and see that. You can go for a swim there. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. The other really interesting thing is delving back into our history. In World War Two, you know, we were very concerned about air raids from the Japanese. Mm. And in fact, where this trip finishes up in Broome, they bombed Broome. They bombed, the, you know, you know, the daylights out of Broome, same as they did with Darwin. In fact. I think I read somewhere that they dropped more bombs on Darwin and Broome than they dropped on Pearl Harbour. Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, so um, we were very, you know, Australians, you know, we were very worried about uh, Japanese air invasion 
just south of Marble Bar uh, on one of the properties there, there's this huge airstrip. And in fact, the RAAF built a number of large airstrips around the, the West Coast and up in the top end in Northern Territory so that they would be able to mobilise you know, their air force and, uh, in case there was, there was an attack. So there is actually one of those big airstrips on, uh, on one of those properties. And, mate, in the research I found, they, they, they said back in the day of, the, of World War II when the RAAF troops were based at Corona Down Station, which is the station that I'm talking about, mm. they would, the, the boys could come into the Ironclad Hotel and they could buy a three-course meal right, for a shilling and fruppence. Not too many people would even understand how much that is. Mm. To get it into perspective, I think we would equate that to about 13 cents now, wouldn't we? Yeah. You know, So for a shilling and fruppence, you could buy a three-course meal. For the same amount of money, you could, you could buy a beer to go with it. Yeah, <laughs> so, right, okay. So the Ironclad Hotel, um, as I say, it's been there a long while and it's got a, a, a long and rich history mm. with it. But from there, the, the road becomes sealed and... Um, you head on your way out to Port Hedland, which is a major, major export uh, port for the iron ore that yeah. is uh, mined up there in the Hammersley Ranges, which is just south of all this. You know, the big train lines, the, the, the trains now that are driveless come in to that port, and that's, that's worth a visit to go out to the port. Everything's red because yeah. it's covered in the red ore dust. Yep. Um, Huge port, the largest largest bulk export port in Australia, um, and the figures I, I, I dragged out of um, you know out of Google, six hundred and thirty three million tons went out of there in the year fifteen sixteen. Uh, they're probably you know mining even more. Think about that. It's not just six hundred and fifty three tons, six hundred fifty three million tons of iron ore um, has been mined and you know sent overseas to to make steel, etc. So it's a very, very big port. And, and you know, that's what Port Hedland is. It's, it's mainly an industrial town. Mm. Um, so, you know, when you're at Port Hedland, as you mentioned, I think you're going to talk about, there's a, there's a great top park in Port Hedland. Mm. And then, you know, to get to, um, you know, to some semblance of, of what, what the tourists would call uh, what they're looking for, it's a, you know, it's only a, a, a day's drive up the, the Great Northern Highway and uh, you go up to the beautiful Broome. And uh, well, we could talk for another hour about Broome, mate. Yeah, no, Broome, Broome, place we'll, to visit. well, Broome certainly <laughs> is a bucket list destination, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and people who live in, even for people who live in WA, it's, if you live in Perth, it's a long way to Broome. <laughs> so mm. uh, it's, a, it's a long way from anywhere, really. It's a bit like... It's a bit like, not so much as iconic as the Cape, but it's still, it's one of those places. You get up there and then further up and around. That, that whole region of WA is just amazing. They're blessed yeah. in Western Australia, yeah. really, with the um, with the uh, with the locations that are there. It's amazing, really, when you look, you know, the coastlines, you know, all the way down the coast there at Western Australia is just, you know, an abundance of beach driving, fishing, camping and great spots. It's, it's beautiful. Mate, that's... That's got to be one of your biggest road trips, Vic. <laughs> I think it is, mate. Yeah, yeah we we did an ball and we thought that was a long way, but um, mm. but yeah, the, and, and the reason that it's so long is that you know, that in terms of isolation, uh, that this one's right out there, and mm. you you do need to be well prepared. You know, yeah, I don't absolutely. Know, I don't want to encourage people that are not 
Now, I, I say to people, look, what you've got to think about is the car doesn't start in the morning. You've got to be able to fix it. You know, you can't just get on the phone because there's no phone service anyway. Mm. You know, um, you, you've got to be a little bit self-sufficient to do this particular trip, I think, mate. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And prepar- preparation would be everything. You know, take extra spare wheels, extra bits and pieces with you, filters, things like that. Just all yeah. those little, little they, and obviously you know enough fuel storage and water, extra water, extra food. If you think you're going to be out there for a week, take two weeks worth of food because if something does happen and that car doesn't start, yeah. you know you're going to get thirsty and hungry while you're sitting there waiting for help. I think one of the big, th- one of the big, um, one of the, the the thing you would not head out there without is satellite communication. I think you certainly do do that. Plenty of options for that as well as we know with satellite phones and sat sleeves and um, yep. and that sort of thing. You certainly want that communication. If you're going out there with, you know, even if it's a small group, let somebody know back home where you are and where you're up to. Vic, that'd be a pretty good tip out there, wouldn't it? Yeah, for sure, mate. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, mate. Well, that's a great road trip this week, uh, an absolute beauty and one that you'd really want to pencil in and, and do a fair bit of planning. As you say, not only prepare your vehicle for it, but prepare your off-road van or trailer if that's what you're towing and more importantly prepare yourself because it's going to be pretty hard you did say it was pretty hard raw country out there but let me tell you you wouldn't regret it especially we mentioned those sunsets and sun sunrises um, in that part of the world it's just amazing anywhere in the outback Vic it's like that all right mate and do you run trips out there Vic at all yeah, occasionally we do, mate. Like they're not; a, it's not a regular one that we do. But mm. um, every now and then we'll we'll do a Western Deserts trip or a Len Bedell tracks trip, mm. and do do trips out. I, you know, I've driven that road a couple of times, leading different trips over the, the last few years. Mm. And um, you know, it, it's yeah. Oh, look, as you mentioned, it, it's just it's a beautiful part of the country. It's got a different style of beauty mm. to some places. Yep. Um, but you know, if you like outback, if you like desert country. You'll love that drive through, um, through from Alice all the way through to to Marble Bar, particularly, mm. and then of course you know the whole of that uh, West Australian coast. That's just another another story again. <laughs> mm, absolutely, you mentioned Anne Bedell too, and uh, she was at the I think it was at Anne or, or who was at the four wheel drive show at Sydney? Was it? I think it was. It yeah, could have been. Um, Connie might have been. Might have been Connie, Connie I think. It was Connie. Yeah. It was Connie. Yeah. It was Connie. And um, she was amazed at just how well-known and how popular her father was to the general four-wheel drive travelling community. She couldn't believe yeah. it. She she couldn't believe what the fuss was. Uh, <laughs> and, and she couldn't believe that people who lived in Sydney who were, you know, you know outback travellers and, and four-wheel drive travellers in general and tourers she just could not get her head around the fact that they all knew who her father was, and they were yeah. and, and held him in such high regard. And, well, well uh, it just mate, blew her I, away. It was Connie. And, uh, if and, I could mention that, um, you know, for people listening to us, if, if they if they're thinking, well, hang on, I could get left out here. I've not heard of him. Um, I would recommend that they just Google the Shepparton Talk mm. by Len Bedell, yeah. right? And um, and if you haven't listened to that, mate, you really need to. Because Len not only was a great explorer and a great road builder, he was an, an amazing raconteur. Mm. And he could get up and entertain people. In fact, when, when he retired from that, that's what he used to do. Mm. He'd go around and give talks at, you know, RSL clubs and four mm. drive clubs and things like that. Mm. And, um, and he's got a great sense of humour. Mm. And 
you, I would strongly recommend that if you listen to the podcast, take a note of that. Google up the Shepparton Talk, and the name after the town. It was done in the town of Shepparton in Victoria yeah. by Len Bedell, and you'll be able to just download that. It goes for probably about 40, 45 minutes. Yep. And, mate, apart from apart from laughing your sides off, because he's, like I say, he's a, he's a very dry human character. He's much better at human than I am, mm. and um, which is saying something, of course. But... Um, but it is just amazing. And the stories that he would tell about the building of, of Woomera, the building of the, and the atomic testing and that. And, of course, he's written lots and lots of books. And uh, just as a side issue that, I, I bought one of those audio CDs when I was over in Alice Springs and I had to drive back to Sydney after a trip of one of his books. And, mate, what a brilliant way that was to, you know, just put that on and put a disc on. There was about six discs in the set. I uh, put one on each day and listen to that for about an hour as I was driving through, you know, through the remote outback when it gets a bit boring on the on the blacktop and listening to, you know, his book being read out and the stories that he that he could tell and I say he's probably written about a dozen books. So you know, if you haven't heard of Len or if you have, you know, look up that particularly that Shepherd and Talk. It is absolutely uh, first class, mate. First class stuff. All right, mate. Well, that's it. An iconic road trip this week from Alice Springs to Broome. And if, uh, look, if you want to know any more about that or you want to know in case Vic's running some trips out there or if you want to just get out and have a sample of that sort of stuff, you can go and do that with Vic and you just go to the website, 4wd.net.au or simply Google Great Divide Tours. Vic, we'll chat next week. All right, mate. Good on you. Thanks a lot. All the best. Good on you, mate. And there he is, Vic Woodman, who joins us every week on Road Trips Australia. And geez, he goes into some detail. And you just sit here and listen. I just listen. And you can picture what he's saying. I'm sure if you're at home or wherever you are driving the car, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you'll agree. You just listen to Vic describe the, the conditions, the roads, the things to see. And you can just picture it, and that's why I just let him run with it because uh, he's been out there, he's not making it up, and all that's just off the top of his head too, by the way, and that's because he has the experience. He's the most experienced tag-along tour operator in Australia, been doing it for over 30 years, and, uh, and of course, the Driver Training Centre as well. If you want to know more, go to that website, 4wd.net. .au, 4wd.net.au. You're listening to the Road Trips Australia podcast. Don't forget to, if you want to suggest a road trip of your very own, you can do that. You just go to our website, bluecollarmedia.com.au. Click on Email the Ducks and it's through your road trip. And we're more than happy to have a look at that as well. Uh, in just two seconds, we're off to um, Port Hedland again and have a look at the caravan pack up there with the caravan park up there, rather, with the lovely Laura from Top Parks. And as you know, we always look at a caravan park and we got to do that with top parks. As you know, they've got almost 300 parks around Australia and their motto is more parks in more places. And uh, and they certainly do have some. If you jump on that website, topparks.com.au and just click on find a park and you'll just see them. They're everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And uh, and there's that many of them on the east coast of Australia that you can actually all the little dots overlap each other. It is amazing, but they've also got them in places where you would you know you wouldn't expect 
And one of those places is obviously Port Hedland, and uh, our road trip today has been a big one, as you, as you know, from Alice Springs to Broome. And you come out at Port Hedland there, once you do that that big journey across there, that 2,000 kilometres, which is an absolute cracker of a road trip. And uh, we thought we'd take a look at the caravan park in uh, Port Hedland, the Discovery Park, Port Hedland. And I'm happy to say, as I just mentioned, we've got the lovely Laura. She's back. Laura, g'day. G'day, g'day. How are we doing? I'm going okay. And uh, look, you are our WA guru when it comes to caravan parks. <laughs> and the one up at um, at Port Hedland uh, is an absolute cracker. It doesn't disappoint. Like all, all top parks, this one's a beauty. It certainly is. And it's in one of my uh, absolute favourite places. I'm a big uh, Port Hedland lover, that is for sure. You're a fan? I am a big fan. Yep, there's something about that red dirt. Uh, crystal blue water, greenery of trees, it, it is just phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Now, they have plenty of accommodation options up at this park as we uh, as we have, have a look through that and some fantastic nice open spaces and nice open um, sites, the uh, the premium-powered sites. Uh, and when we say premium, I mean, if you're a G'day's Reward member, it's $46. I mean, it's pretty cheap, but just even some of the, the you know, the... the the camper trailer sites as well, just fantastic, nice and spacious, plenty of uh, room to move around. And the thing I like about it, w when you take these photographs, right, of these parks, especially the ones over there, there's never a cloud in the sky. What's going on? <laughs> well, it's just WA. It's how we roll. Yeah, no, fair enough. But they are. There's some great sites there, and you've got a, a full uh, range of caravan sites, as we say, from uh, premium powered sites to just powered sites. What's the difference with a premium site and a powered site? So the premium sites have premium locations. So right. the best thing about this park is you're pretty much on uh, on two of the major sides. You're surrounded by water. So you've got the ocean on one side yep. um, and then a river inlet on the other. So it's perfect. Yeah, it's amazing. So if you're up, to, if you've done the road trip and you've taken your off-road van or camper trailer site, uh, your camper trailer along, there's plenty of options for you. Or if you're, or if you're just on a your very own road trip and in this region, um, look, you know, you need to make sure you check it out. Beautiful sites there. Some of the cabins you talk about the ocean. These cabins have got full-on ocean views. Yeah, and the, the thing that I love about this park is that the pricing point is different. So you've got your deluxe. Superior and then standard cabins as well, and in each one of those price points, some of them have ocean views uh, and then the inlet views as well. So you're never disappointed. Yeah, no, absolutely, that's right. You got the, like the uh, and the Superior waterfront cabins can sleep up to six people. You can get them for four as well. There is that option, but uh, yeah, like you say, there are cabins there that you get best of both worlds with the water views, which is amazing. Um, not doesn't just stand there though. There's a stack of other cabins as well, in, including um, pet friendly cabins. Which these days, a lot of people are travelling with their pets, aren't they? Certainly are, uh, and why not sort of spoil them with a little bit of luxury as well? Mm, it's amazing, yeah. And, uh, and I noticed even the uh, the first time I saw that with the um, with the pet friendly cabins was. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of parks, more and more parks everywhere these days are becoming pet-friendly for obvious reasons because so mm -hmm. many people are travelling with their with their pets. But the first time I ever saw that where they could actually stay in the cabin was at another top parks on the East Coast at Foster and um, oh, thought, yeah. at um, Lani's. And I thought, oh, that's – I thought, how good is that? Because some people don't like to leave their dogs outside or in the car with a window down a bit or – so you know you can you can they can you know stay with you and be safe and 
is obviously you've got to you know abide by rules and things like that. But it's a great option. Um, yeah, it certainly is. And standard villas as well. There's also standard studio rooms uh, which sleep two people, which is um, which is good too for those people that are just travelling as couples and they're on the move. So they'd be very handy for that. Certainly, and then you've got the um, the economy motel rooms as well. So if you're just having to do a, a quick stopover for the night and you need a nice comfy bed uh, at a, a very affordable price, that's the one for you. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a, and it's a fantastic part of of Australia, that Pilbara region, and uh, this park does not disappoint. It certainly has all the things you come to expect um, with a uh, with top parks. They've just it's, I don't know how you do it. You get pick these parks. <laughs> Plenty of features here as well. There's an activity room, uh, not just for the kids but yourself. A beautiful swimming pool, which uh, yeah. really is amazing, and uh, as well as a barbecue area. That fantastic, very popular these days camp kitchen you can hire equipment there as well there's a laundry so if you need to catch up on all your laundry stuff playground for the kids and as we did mention dogs are allowed which is um which is fantastic and uh, and we say people do love traveling with uh with the with their pets these days and it certainly um it certainly is uh uh, the way to go if you want to do it. Plenty to see and do in the region too, which is fantastic. Uh, a lot of attractions nearby. And uh, if you get up there in turtle season between October and March, um, it's uh, you, you're liable to see um, more than like you see some of those big turtles. Yeah, that's the thing that um, most excites me. I have yet to uh, manage to get there in turtle season. I'm always out of it. But um, that's, that's the... One thing, certainly, I would love to go back and see. Um, but I have bear witness to the staircase to the moon, which is like, and again, if you get one of those cabins right on the front, mm. um, sit back with a nice beverage and just enjoy that sight. My goodness, that is spectacular. We love the idea of the beverage. Just explain <laughs> to people listening to a staircase to the moon. Now, I've seen images of this. And it mm. is amazing. It's amazing. Just explain. Just to, you, you try and describe it. Or to people listening, um, it it is something that time just stands still. That's that's the only way I think I can sort of uh, talk about the feeling in itself. But it's um it's on a full moon, um so over the shoreline and a low tide. So it as the waves sort of start to roll in and as you look out across the horizon, it it looks as though it's just literal um beautiful glowing staircases across the ocean. And up through to the moon. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It is really you've, you've done a great job of explaining that because that's exactly what it does <laughs> look like. It this looks like you could walk along the light along the top yeah. of the water and step your way up and just hop onto the full moon. It is amazing, and that is the good thing about um, the the West Coast has. Well, one thing over there you do have are those sunsets as well, but mm-hmm. uh, mate, that is an absolute um, an absolute cracker. That staircase to the moon, like you say, on a full moon. On a summer's night, I mean, how good would that be? Um, exactly. And there's plenty of tours around the place too if you want to learn a bit about mining and things like that because obviously that's what all the big money is in that region yeah. as well. <laughs> and um, you can actually do a, a, a Port Hedland tour and learn about the history of the world's largest tonnage port, which is, uh, like we say, it is the backbone of the country over there. But it's certainly plenty to do. There's some history there as well. There's a gallery, there's a museum and uh, and plenty of things to see and do whilst you're in in that region like we say plenty of accommodation options as well the best way to um to get more details or to have a look for yourself is jump on the website yeah that's it 
it's exactly at topparks.com.au. And of course, while you're at it, if you are planning one of those big trips, why not sign up and become a G'day Rewards member? Because there's a stack of benefits with that as well, Laura. There certainly is. So as well as um, the standard 10% discount capped at $50 at every single one of our parks across the network, uh, there's additional benefits. So the more nights you stay, the further uh, little incentives you can get. So when that's from uh, sort of our life pedal cuts for the kids and then if you hit out and become our absolute uh, best mate, then you can get an uncapped 10% discount as well. So uh, it's based on the number of nights that you stay in park. So if you're doing the lap um, or even just heading up the road for a quick weekend getaway, it's definitely the thing you've got to be a part of. Yeah, this park's an absolute cracker and it's actually, it's basically surrounded by water. It's just amazing. Yeah. You've got the ocean one side, then the canal the other, it's uh it's fantastic. It really is. It's beautiful up there. And this park, like we say, is just right up there with all the other top parks. Again, um, you can't cannot uh, you can't go wrong here. The Discovery Parks, Port Hedland. It's an absolute beauty. Holiday and Caravan Park in the Pilbara. We love the Pilbara. You get up there and check out Red Dog as well, can't you? Yeah, you certainly can. Yeah, on the way through. Yeah. Um, haven't haven't managed to do that one yet, but I look. You've almost convinced me now. I'm really due just for another trip up there, if nothing yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too, mate. I'll see you up there for that beverage. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Sounds great. <laughs> All right, mate. Good on you. A good one again this week. And uh, Laura, we might uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds perfect. Thanks so much. Good on you, Laura. Thanks. Well done, mate. And uh, you always do well and very, very passionate about um, her, her parks. She, she, she does know her stuff, doesn't she, Laura? She goes really, really well. And, um, and what a job she has. And, uh, and goes to these parks as a living. How good is it? But there it is this week, the Port uh, the Port Headland Holiday and Caravan Park in the Pilbara. It's part of Discovery Parks, which of course means it's part of Top Parks as well. Go to that website, topparks.com.au. Check out a park, um, one of the almost 300, as I say, right around the country. And while you're at it, Get onto that G'day Rewards program. It's one of the best ones out there and uh, you certainly cop those discounts and not just at top parks, but they have some uh, some great partners involved as well. You'll be quite surprised at some of the discounts you can get and um, so do that, topparks.com.au. Well, that is our Road Trips podcast this week. I hope you enjoyed it. It's been a big one, really. 2,220 kilometres long our road trip was this week through some of the most remote parts of Australia. Plenty of history out there as well. And when you get up there and you finish, you get to relax at the Port Hedland Holiday Caravan Park in the Pilbara. So not a bad one. We do thank you for tuning in. Don't forget, send us an email. Suggest your own road trip if you like. Bluecollarmedia.com.au Click on email the duck. We certainly do enjoy the feedback there and reply to all those emails. But that is this week's edition of Road Trips Australia. Until next week, we'll take care and we'll see you then. When you're out on our-